0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Okay, I'm really excited about what I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to try to get through it all today. We're continuing to talk about the tyranny of religion. And we've talked about the skewed perspective on healing. And we've seen the imbalance in our religious scales. Remember, a tyrant is a cruel and oppressive ruler. Tyranny is cruel, oppressive rule. But the Bible says, the prophet Isaiah said, the voice of the tyrant is silenced. So why are we letting cruel oppression speak to us? Something I've known for years, but it's just become very real to me recently, is that the Greek word for truth is the word reality. What is your reality? What is your reality? Is sickness and disease your reality? Anything born of the curse your reality is poverty, debt, lack, want. Is that your reality? Is strife your reality? The reason I asked Nate to sing this—I mean, when when it—I think it was Friday night. It chose it was the last worship song. It so impacted me because for so many people, fear is their story, or guilt, or sickness pain, depression, for so many believers, that's their story. And I'm going to tell you something really that for me was supernatural. So we've been looking at the scale. And on the scale, we've seen that uh, for a believer, if you say, do you believe in forgiveness? Well, yes, yes, yes. I'm probably going to break this again. Those of you who've been here know what I'm talking about. And we have healing and prosperity and the health of our soul down here. But if you read the Gospels, there is, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or rise, take up your bed and walk. But so that you will know that the Son of God has the authority to forgive sins. I say unto you, arise, take up your bed and walk. And the scale is perfectly balanced. What is your reality? Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. In other words, Jesus said, I am your reality. And I'm just going to tell you, I refuse to allow tradition and unbelief and doubt to be my reality. If it's in the word, Jesus already said yes. Now, It has to be supported by the word. Okay, I'm going to make it clear. I've heard believers say bizarre things. I've heard a lady one time say that the Lord told her to divorce her husband and marry somebody else's. That's honestly what she said. That is not supported by the word. I've heard people with addictions, people that I personally know, say God called them to that. That is not supported by the word. Now, I know that might sound ridiculous to you, but I'm telling you, it's all over the place. But if it is supported by the word, Jesus said yes. So get over your religious thinking because it's a lie. That word, religion, and by the way, I hope to remember to give announcements at the end. Somebody help me remember. That word religion, scary. The belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. It's the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. I had somebody recently tell me they had found somebody online, gave me the name. And and this person said, I am in love with her. I 100% agree with everything she says. Well, I'd never heard of him before. And I decided to look it up. And you know, the first thing it said in her description is that she is a channeler. And I have a believer telling me this. And I felt the slap anointing coming on me. (laughs) And Cindy's here, she'll tell you. I, I'm a good slapper, right, Cindy? You don't want that. I'm still fired up. I'm sorry. I'm just... I was. So I'm going to read to you. This is awesome. This is Zechariah 9, 11, and 12 from the Passion Translation, which has not been published yet. But the Lord gave me an inroad with Brian Simmons at one point, and he sent me this. I'm going to read it to you. I will break the bows used in war. Your king will proclaim peace and well-being to the nations. His dominion will stretch from sea to sea, from the rivers to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of my covenant with you, sealed with blood, I have set your captives free from the waterless pit of their prison. If you know somebody that is in a prison, a waterless pit of deception and bondage, the word of the Lord says, because of a blood covenant between the Father and the Son, the blood of Jesus, I have set your captives free. You can take God at his word and proclaim that. Verse 12, this is so good. I mean, I could just jump off the stage. Come running back to your fortress, you hope-filled prisoners. Your time of waiting was not wasted. I want you to say out loud, my time of waiting was not wasted. This very day I vow, says the Lord, I will restore to you double blessing for your trouble. Double for your trouble your time of waiting was not wasted be encouraged when you couldn't see he was working when you couldn't feel it he was working and as the song goes he never stops he never stops working your time of of waiting was not wasted In 1 John 2, 21, it says that no lie is of the truth. That means no lie is of the reality. Jesus is reality. He did only the Father's will. If he did it, then truth supports the reality. But tradition has taught things that God has promised to us have passed away. Or this is the worst, I'm just telling you, this was the worst. I am going to jump off the stage. This was one of the worst delusion and deceptive lies, totally not supported by the word of God. Well, Jesus only did miracles to prove his deity. Well, then I guess he's not God anymore. Because he is the same today as he was yesterday. He didn't do it to prove his deity, he didn't have to prove his deity. He doesn't need yours and my approval. He is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three gods, one person. And he said, I change not. But man has relegated him to some kind of a fraud. And it angers me beyond what I can tell you. I will not bow to that. We're going to talk about two tyrants today, two oppressive rulers. And I'm gonna spend most of the time on the second one. And here's why it's the one I struggled most with. And maybe not you. We've talked about other tyrants. You can go back and and listen to the chosen podcast, or you can um, try to find it on Women of Excellence Ministries, which were really chosen women, but certain um, entities won't let me change it. I'm not gonna get into that. Tyrant one it's too hard. I can't do it. Let's destroy the tyrant of I can't. I'm going to tell you something really simple. If it's in the word and it's something God tells you to do, the provision's already there to do it. I'm going to prove it to you. Okay? All right. Because we're going to destroy the tyrant of your excuses Remember John chapter 5? The man, infirm for 38 years, on his back for 38 years, laying in front of the pool of Bethesda, hoping when the angels stirred the waters that he would be the first one in. But of course, everybody pushed him out of the way. And Jesus comes to him, finds him, and he says, Do you want to get well? And what did the man give him? An excuse. I don't have anybody to help me. I can't. And Jesus said, Arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately he did. Jesus did not validate the excuse, and he won't validate yours either. He didn't say, You know what? I'm going to send all those people to hell that pushed you out of the way. I'm so sorry this happened to you. It just breaks my heart. He didn't do that. He will never validate our excuses. That's a tyrant. So, if he gives you a command, it's because the provision is already there. Because the provision and the power are already provided. Three Ps. The provision and the power are provided. What kind of God would he be if he gave you a command and me a command to do something and then made it impossible for us to do it. Do you understand how that cruel oppressive rule has put a claw over our brain? I have people all the time come into my house and tell me they can't. I had a lovely person the other day. I was ministering to, to, uh, it was more than one person actually, and we were going through truth, reality. And that person literally buried their head in my white sofa, my white sofa. <laughs> Deep breath. And said, I, the, don't, this is too hard, stop. But the Bible says his com- commandments are not burdensome. In fact, the anointing, is the yoke-destroying, burden-lifting power of God. And 1 John 2.27 says the anointing abides in you. That means it's there permanently. I'm probably more excited about chosen 2023 than I've ever been because it's chosen power. And I'm so excited to walk in that, the dunamis power of God for a whole year. God help us. That means we need it, doesn't it? In Matthew 18, 30, I'm not going to go through the whole story of the king that forgave an impossible debt of $20 million approximately because the servant asked. And then that same servant turned around to a fellow servant that owed him approximately $20 and began to choke him and said, pay what you owe. Unforgiveness always says pay what you owe. And you know... That the Bible, the guy begs him, just like he begged the king who forgave him the debt. And the servant begs his friend, please give me time, I'll pay it all. The Bible says, but he was unwilling. It's not that he couldn't. When people tell me they can't forgive, I go, let's just get it straight here. You're just not willing. That's why everyone loves me so much. <laughs> Thank you, Candy. When you when you don't forgive, it's not because you can't; it's because you're not willing. And here's why you're not willing: uh, it's because you're entitled. Now that's straight from the throne, because God told me that about me. So I had to get off my little pedestal of pride and obey. I can't is a tyrant. Jesus is my reality. He was unwilling. Matthew eighteen thirty, a very dangerous place to be. First John five three, loving God means keeping His commandments, and what is the number one commandment? To love. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And His commandments are not burdensome. I love that. You know, here's a good thing. You can let the Word do the work. If you get enough Word in you, the Word will do the work. Let me prove it to you. Colossians 1.6. Indeed, in the whole world, the gospel is bearing fruit and is still growing by its own inherent power. The gospel has its own inherent power. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God continually that when you receive the message of God, you welcome it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power to those who adhere to it. It has inherent power. It has superhuman power. Hebrews 4.12, The word that God speaks is alive and full of power. It is active, operative, energizing, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. Let the word do the work. Get the word in you. Well, I don't know how. Can you read? No. Okay. Can you hear? Yes, everybody in this room can hear. Then listen to it if you can't read or learn to read. Keep it before your eyes. Keep it in your ears. Keep it going down into your heart and speak it out. Return the word to God. It will not return void. Why? Because it has inherent power. But Sadie, I just know people that, that, that not, they did that. I've told you the story before. I'm going to tell it again. A few of you remember this. Many, many, many years ago. And when I say many, I was in my 30s a young woman came to one of our meetings, and the first thing she announced in those days, it was a really small group, and uh, I always had people introduce themselves when they were new. And she stood up and said, I, I have cancer, by his stripes I am healed. And we embraced her like, I don't think we've ever embraced anybody like this. Heard her testimony that she had been continually raped by her father as a child, and, I mean, it was a horrific story. And she always thought she was ugly because that had been that lie. She'd received the tyrant of that lie. And we loved her. We nurtured her. Talented, talented. She would just bring the most beautiful food every week and bless everybody. And she had was beautiful at uh, this thing. Uh, what's it? Crocheting. I don't know the difference between crocheting and knitting. There's a difference, I'm sure. But I think they were crocheted. And give out these beautiful blankets. And, I mean, she was just a gem. And two of the most beautiful women in our group. I'm I'm talking physically beautiful women. We're all beautiful. But these women were movie star quality beautiful. One was an actor's wife. Gorgeous. Took her under their wing. Made her their best friend. And, I mean, she confessed the word day and night. Confessed Confessed the word. Confessed the word. Confessed the word. Confessed the word. And it was very obvious over a period of, I don't know, maybe it was two years. I don't know how long it was that she started to decline. I mean, she was declining so much that we knew without a miracle, she wasn't going to remain on earth. And I began to inquire of the Lord about this. And I even called Rick one day and he said, oh, she's lost a lot of ground, Cindy." Sandy. Sandy. And uh, so I really, really, really pressed in to the Holy Spirit for wisdom and found something out. Lord spoke to me and he said to me, she doesn't want to die, but she's made friends with the disease. Because she believes that the reason these beautiful people love her is because of the disease. Now, I know that sounds very twisted, but I'm going to tell you something. I bet if we knew the real stories about a lot of people, we'd find that out to be true. When my youngest daughter became an RN, she said, Mom, it's amazing to me how people make disease their badge and their trophy. And so she went on to heaven. And one of the women that was her best friend, right before she passed, the woman had had lunch with her. And I went to that person, and I said, I just need to ask you something. And I told her what the Holy Spirit had told me, that she made friends with the disease. And she looked at me. I, I said, I'm not asking you to betray any confidence, but I just need to know this. And she looked at me, and she said, she actually told me that. She told me that she was afraid that if she got healed, even though she didn't want to die, that she would go back to being isolated and that nobody would love her. That's a tyrant that told her that. So I'm asking you, as I've asked you before, to pray Psalm 19:14. Search me, O God. No, excuse me, that's Psalm 139. And try me and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me the af- everlasting way. And Psalm 19:14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Because I'm telling you, your reality will determine your destiny. And I am determined that Jesus and what he said will be my only reality. I've started reading through the whole New Testament again because I want to get it in me. Isaiah sixty-one eleven: As surely as the earth brings forth its shoots and a garden causes what is sown in it to spring forth. So surely... The Lord God will cause rightness and justice and praise to spring forth before all the nations through the self-fulfilling power of his word, the inherent power of the word, the superhuman power of the word, the active, energizing, alive, full of power of his word, the self-fulfilling power of his word. Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-nine. Is not my word like fire? that consumes all that can endure the test, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. Keep hammering with the word. And I've said so many times, you can hit that obstacle 999 times and stop without realizing that it was that thousandth hit that the 999 had weakened and it shatters on that thousandth hit and we quit. And we quit. I will not quit hammering with the word. You know how you have all those abbreviations in texting? And one is G U, never ever give up. I don't like those things, but I thought I'd bring that up. I can't stop worrying. I've heard people say that. Well, you know why? Because you practiced it for so long. That's why you can't stop. And yet, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He gave you a command, do not be anxious or do not worry. That's the command. And then he gives you the solution. Let your requests be known to God with thanksgiving. And then the power and the peace of God. But I did that and I still feel nervous. Well, you know why? Because <laughs> you're not balanced. You're not balanced. Your confession needs to become, I have the peace of God. The peace of God is really in my heart. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Your thoughts do not command your thoughts. Your words command your thoughts. So when you feel fear, we all feel fear. Everybody feels fear. When I hear people go, I'm never afraid, I'm thinking, that's just bull. And what what psalm is it, 50-something, where the Lord said, I will accept no bull in my house. (laughs) You've got to use words. And I'm telling you, if you do, you're going to see a big change in your life. Big change in your life. So if God gives you a command, it's because the provision is already there for you to do it. All right. And I could, we could just go on with hundreds of examples. But I want to get to the big tyrant. This is the one that I struggled with the most. I don't anymore. But I'm sure there's somebody out there that has it. And this is the tyrant. I have to earn God's promises, favor, and blessings. I have to be good enough. I have to do enough. I can't slip, I can't miss the mark. Because God has a baseball bat and he's going to strike me out. I struggled with that for so long. And you know what? If I let myself, I'll still go back into it. Because remember, your self-image and your self-worth are formed by the time you're 20 years old. Is embedded in your brain in your subconscious. And in my subconscious, I believed I had to have a man between me and Father. And in my subconscious, I believed there were degrees of sin. There are no degrees of sin. If you, it's a chain. If you break one, you've broken it all. There are degrees of consequences. If I tell a lie, I'm not going to jail. Unless it's perjury. If I, uh, Gossip, I'm not going to jail. If I murder, I'm going to jail. There are different consequences. But sin is sin. And the reality, 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I've written these things to you that you not sin, but if any man does sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What does that say? He's not expecting us to sin, but if we do, the provisions there. So thank God for that. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so I believed I had to earn be good enough. You know, it's kind of like um the uh those when you go to one of the fairs like, you know, how they have all those bo- booths there and You can win a stuffed animal or a jar of pickles or something. (laughs) And it's all by chance. And it's like, well, maybe if I toss the ball right or do the walk-a-mole and hit all the moles that pop up, and it becomes a big guessing game instead of a reality. I don't have to earn God's grace because it negates grace. The apostle Paul said in Galatians 2, that I will not frustrate the, the grace of God. Because if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died needlessly. And I had to constantly renew my mind. Oh, I've got, okay, some of you are going, to ah, add this isn't me. All right, how about this tyrant? I don't have enough faith. If I could just believe harder, believe more, I would be healed. If I just, if I could just have more faith, well, all you need is a mustard seed. Yes. And the Bible says he's given to each one of us a measure of faith. So we all have faith. But the apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I live my life by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we all have faith. Some translation says... I live my life by the faith of the Son of God. I said last week, the man with the garment lives in me now. And yet I hear believers go, oh, if I could just touch the garment. What do you expect, Jesus to walk in the room with his robe on? That robe is in you. It covers you. I'm trying to show you heaven's reality here. Because we've been indoctrinated with lies. That's why we have to renew our mind to the truth. Why do bad things happen? Well, there's a bad devil. But the Bible says submit to God. Submit to the reality of the truth. Resist his lies and he will flee from you. And so that was a a really big thing for me. I've seen, even recently, something bad happens to people. And one of the first things they say is, I bet you can say it with me, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? You know what I like to say? What did I do right? Because the Bible says, in Psalm 35, that princes have afflicted me without cause. Now, I want to tell you something. If I've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit will show me. I don't have to go playing a guessing game. Now, this would never happen. But, you know, if your child comes to you and says, Mommy, um, tell me what I did wrong. Because they know they're in trouble. Are you going to say, you'll have to guess? Now, they don't ever say, what did I do wrong? Because they want to deny that they did anything. But you wouldn't you would not turn the, turn them away and say you've got a guess or I'm not I'm not going to tell you. Absolutely not. You would tell them immediately. And yet we diminish a loving God. If you've done something wrong, you'll know it. <laughs> Maybe you've done something right. In my background For 20 years, I had to be good enough to earn the favor of God. And it took me decades to renew my mind. I'm just telling you the truth. In 1741, 1741, Jonathan Edwards preached a very powerful sermon that started the first great awakening. There's been two great awakenings so far. We're waiting for the third. And it was called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. And it was to sinners, not to the righteous. Telling people that God did not want them to go to hell. And yet, I've never heard it in this church, thank God. But in previous places, I've heard this quoted. We're sinners in the hand of an angry God. Well, I'm going to disprove that to you in just a minute. But I want to read to you one of my very, very beloved passages. It's it's long, but I want you to listen. Colossians 1, verse 4. I'm going to go all the way through verse 23, but I'm going to skip some of them. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the leaning of your entire human personality on him, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and of the love which you've shown for all the saints. Indeed, the whole world of the gospel is bearing fruit and still is growing by its own inherent power, even it has done among yourselves ever since the day you first heard and came to know and understand the grace of God in truth or in reality. For this reason, from the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray and make requests for you asking that you will be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all spiritual understanding, that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We pray that you would be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, here it is, who has qualified and made us fit to share the inheritance of the saints in light. The Father has delivered us and drawn us to himself, are you ready, out of the control and dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And that settles it for me. I have been transferred. Now, on, let me see, did I write the date down? Yes, October 6th. I was praying, and I heard the Lord say, Today, I am issuing you a PCS. I knew exactly what that meant. My father was in the United States Air Force for 30 years. How many of you come from a military background? Somebody shout out. What is a PCS? Permanent change of station. station. Today I am giving you orders for a PCS. And I literally heard and saw this. Your new address is 911 Heaven's Court. Kingdom of God, USA. Zip code 55577. Triple Grace, Double portion. And I just said, okay, Jovette, you're a Marine. Uh-huh. <laughs> In just case you don't know, don't ever say anybody a Marine was a Marine. Or it could be very dangerous. <laughs> when you received orders, when you were deployed, did it say, we respectfully request your presence? <laughs> RSVP, yes or no? No. When you get a PCS, guess what? Goodbye. You pack your bags and I receive my permanent change of station. Because I read here, and you all can too, that I have been delivered out of the control and authority of darkness and transferred into the kingdom. On earth as it is in heaven. Stop living under the tyranny, tyranny of the earth. The tyranny of the bad reports, the tyranny of the news. The tyranny, oh, you're not going to have food or food supplies cut off. Well, that didn't bother Elijah. God sent ravens. Didn't bother the children of Israel. God sent manna. Hey, he's going to take care of me. My family, I guarantee you of that. Verse nineteen: It pleased the Father that all the divine fullness should dwell in Him permanently, and God purposed that through Him all things should be completely reconciled back to Himself, because He made means by the blood of His cross. And this is my favorite, verse twenty-two, in Christ. You are reconciled to God and the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy, faultless, and irreproachable in the Father's presence. One translation says irrebukable. And this he will do provided you continue to stay with and in the faith of Christ. I read that and I said, Lord, thank you. I am holy. I am faultless. I am not rebukable. And there it went, the condemnation, the accuser of the brethren, the shame, just like we sang this morning. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, peace. Goodbye, shame. Goodbye, fear. Goodbye, pain. We need to learn to say goodbye to the things that are not in heaven. Jesus said we could have heaven reality. He said, pray my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But oh, no, 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 no. We're too indoctrinated to the filth of the world. I won't do it. I've changed my address. I hope you will too. I had a, I'm almost closing. Don't worry. But I'm going to do something super fun. Cindy, I just wish you weren't here because you're going to get mad at me when I do this. It's not about you, don't worry. (laughs) In John 7, this is just so beautiful. Verses 37 through 39. On the final day and the most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice. He cried in a loud voice. I don't want to break the mic. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What an invitation. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, not as the tyrant says, not as the churches that have edited the Bible, this church doesn't do that, but not as those who have edited the Bible to bring it down to man's reasoning as to why. He who believes in me as the scripture says, listen, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now, it doesn't say like rivers. It's not a metaphor. He is a river. That means life should be flowing out of us 24-7 to other people. And I purpose to do that with my life. I purpose to do it. The other day when I was praying, I mean, the Lord's just giving me all these really cool internal visions and I'm praying and I, and all of a sudden I see this red dot and I knew immediately what it was. It was like the red dot on a sniper's rifle. It's called IR, infrared. And I didn't understand what it meant, but I knew I saw it. And the next day, I kept praying about it. I heard the Lord say, I'm giving you laser sharp focus to detect the enemy's plans and plots before he attacks you and disarm them. And he wants to do that for every one of us. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being blindsided. The apostle Paul said, we are not ignorant of his devices. Jesus said, the ruler of this world has come, but he has nothing in me. That should be our goal. The Passion Translation says, rivers of living water will flow from his throne within. How cool is that? I just think that's so cool. I really love it. Okay, so now I'm going to do what uh, I wish Cindy weren't here for. (laughs) But let me just tell you something. I learned this from my friend Carl Mason. This is about getting triggered. We all get triggered in one way or another or at one point or another. Someone says something or does something, an event occurs, unexpected experience, and boom, we're triggered. Triggers come in the form of people, experiences, and or thoughts. They're there to take you by the hand, here you go, and show you where you are not free. they are opportunities. Triggers have no purpose other than that, none. Take the opportunity. I'll give you an example. Because I had such anger spewed at me growing up before my dad was born again. I cannot handle anger. If I see somebody getting angry, that trigger, it triggers me. But now I realize that's an opportunity because I'm not free in that area. So I'm saying to you today, when something I don't, you might not like the word trigger, sparks you or provokes you. Use it as an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm not free in this area. Instead of not speaking to your husband for three days. I've been doing a lot of premarital counseling, and one of the future brides said to me the other day, Well, how long is it okay to withdraw your spirit? I said, It's never okay. You see, that's an area you're not healed in. Isn't God good? Okay, here we go. Remember I told you last week that um, I saw when I was praying a puff of smoke? And I looked it up and a puff of smoke indicates something. It's just going to vanish. And I've had testimonies. So the other day I was listening to You Are. No, is that, that's not what it's called. Fear is not your future. You are. I was listening to it. I had it playing all over the house. And I'm singing. I love my voice when I'm alone. It's an awesome voice. <laughs> and I heard the Lord say, as, as a prophetic act, like Delinda asked us to do today, I want you to light a match. I didn't even know if I had matches. Okay, so don't call the fire marshal, okay? Because I'm going to light a match. <laughs> and so I went and found some. I just happened to have a, a box. Somebody gave it to me. And so I lit the match. See that puff of smoke? Look, can you see it? There's just a puff of smoke. And look, it's just vanishing. And I went, wow, that is really cool. That's what you're doing, Lord. You're going to make those enemies that have troubled us for so long vanish in a puff of smoke. But, okay, thank God I didn't cause a fire. (laughs) Praise you, Jesus. And I was getting ready to put it up, and all of a sudden, I looked at the matchbox, and it says, you are my star. Jesus is our star. He's the bright and morning star. He's the bright and radiant star. So I want to close with Romans 3. I just got this this morning, so I didn't have it. I I got to bring my Bible, which I actually still read not on my phone. Thank you, Lord. Romans 3, 23. How many of you know this verse? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you know that? I can't tell you how much I hate it when Christians quote that without going to verse 24. Because they use it as an excuse. We'll all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're going to be talking about that more Later. Because, you see, if you just read verse 23, without verse 24, it's incomplete. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All are justified and made righteous with God, freely and gratuitously, By his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption provided in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and a propitiation by his blood. Thank you, Jesus. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over and he ignored the former sins without punishment to demonstrate and prove at the present time in the now season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Jesus. You see, I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when God looks at me, He only sees one thing, the blood of Jesus. I am flawless, I am holy, I am without reproach. And so are you if you will receive the reality of the gospel. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe, and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at ChosenEssay on Facebook and Instagram.